I want you to turn with me to the gospel according to John, <clears throat> where our Savior said, All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. Verse 8, But the sheep did not hear him. All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Christianity claims to be the one true religion. It is a stupendous and magnificent claim. All other religions are false. We have the only one that's true. And we believe that because we possess a special and divine revelation which no other religion has. We have the Bible. We believe that because Jesus Christ said, I am the way. There's no other way. There are not ten ways to heaven, there's only one. All religions aren't equal, all religions are different paths to God. There's only one path, there's only one way, and that's through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I'm the truth, the truth. And the article is there in the Greek, the truth. This is it. If you want the truth, you have to come to Christ. And him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The life, the life, the life. There's no other life outside of him. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not shall not see life. He can't even get close enough to see it. But the wrath of God hath abideth upon him. Beloved, this is a stupendous claims made by the Christian religion. And it makes this claim because we have received from God a revelation. And that revelation is the Bible. And there has come from heaven his Son. And that Son is the only begotten Son of God. Now, beloved, when you turn loose of the Bible as a revelation, you lose that position. And when you turn loose of Jesus Christ as he's presented in the Bible, virgin born, sinless, you lose that position. My beloved, the world about us says we're conceited, we're haughty. We lack humility. Any Christian who gets up and says, I have the truth, here it is, you listen to it while I proclaim it to you. He's become a 20th century bigot. That's what's happened to him. Any man who gets up and says, this is the way, walk ye in it. He says, no, there's all kinds of ways. We'll get benefits from everybody's walking. And don't you be too proud over there. You intolerant, conceited, haughty, pious sort of fellow that calls yourself a Christian. We repudiate that kind of Puritanism. We repudiate that kind of Calvinism. We repudiate that kind of Christianity. 
Why, we're the nice kind of Christian that finds good in every religion, and we're just making wonderful progress by them all. Now, those of you who've sat under the preaching of the gospel know that what I've just said is so beautifully true. It's the motive and the passion of the evangelist. It's the call of the mission field. It's the cry of the prophet. We must go out and bring men the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the great commission. That's what we're here for. Thus far in this new confession, we've had messages in which I showed you that they've laid aside the Bible as infallible and as inerrant. No longer is the Bible the only infallible rule of faith and practice. That ordination vow is gone. The Bible is the words of man and you can read it and out of that somehow there will be some of it that will speak to you as the word of God. But over to this fellow he may get something else out of it and that's the word of God to him. But we're going to be searching in all the actions of history and we're going to be searching in all the religions that have come up through the experiences of mankind. And in all of these areas we will ascertain the word and we'll have something to give humanity. I dealt with the question of Jesus Christ and I showed you in this new confession how they refused to affirm his virgin birth. They've made of him a sinner. In fact, he needs a savior himself. This Christ of the confession. And then we went into these other questions of the cross and last Sunday night we got into the question of the church. And I tried to tell you that the mission of the church, according to the great teaching of the Bible, has only the task of proclaiming, ministering the word of God. That's all. Now the church is to become the manufacturer of her own message. And she's gathering this out of her experience. And now the experiences of 1967 were putting down in the creed of 67. And the old Westminster Confession, it was good enough for its day, but that was 300 years ago, and we've made progress since then. And we'll make up another creed one of these days. Maybe we'll wait 10 years, maybe 20, maybe 25, but one of these days we'll get another one, which will be the experience of the church. And the church is moving on her own experience and growing and formulating her message fit for her day. And that's the church of a revolution. That's the church of action. And that's where we've come. Now tonight we get into this section and they have an entire section in this new confession, beloved, on religion. They call it revelation and religion. They put a whole section on it. Now may I read you from this. The church in its mission. Here's the church It's going out now in its mission. Encounters the religions of man. It goes out on its mission. It runs into religions all over the world. And in that encounter becomes conscious of its own human character as a religion. The church goes out in its mission and becomes conscious of its own human character as a religion. 
Beloved, I want to tell you in the very beginning, the church is not a religion. Confession says it is. The church is not a religion. The church is simply a fellowship of believers who are here to proclaim the revelation and to call men and women to Jesus Christ. The church is not a religion. New Confession says it is. And that's pretty well what they've made out of it. They've made it their religion. It's their religion. And they've become conscious of its own human character as a religion. No, beloved, the church I'm a part of it was divinely ordained and called and dedicated and consecrated to our blessed Lord. It is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, it's made up of some human beings, but it's made up of human beings who've been born again. And the born-again human beings want the church to fulfill its divinely ordained function. Preach the word. Oh, I want you people to see the breakdown. I want you to see the twisting. I want you to see the collapse that's taking place here. The church is a religion of all the absurd and ridiculous things. No, beloved... The church is the house of the living God. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And all the religion that you and I know anything about is a revealed religion. Christianity has been revealed. I didn't make it up. Church didn't produce it. Christianity is something that's come to us from Almighty God. It's a gift from glory. It's a work of his grace. Paul says it was a deposit. Now let me read you the second sentence. They got off to a pretty good start on the section on religion, didn't they? Listen to this one. God's revelation to Israel expressed within Semitic culture gave rise to the religion of the Hebrew people. God's revelation to Israel. Now, uh, this revelation to Israel is something out here, but it was expressed in Semitic culture, so it's got all this Semitic error, limitations and error, uh, cosmolo cosmology, the views of the universe, gave rise to the religion of the Hebrew people. Beloved, I am just here to tell you tonight that the revelation that God gave to Israel is the religion. They're separating the revelation from what they call this experience that grew up in a culture and which became this religion. And it's this religion that's growing and moving. And they break from the revelation and come into some form of evolution is what they do at this point. Beloved, the religion of Israel is the same as mine. There's no difference. Abraham was saved by faith. Moses was saved by faith. The church of the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament are the same church. Same Lord. 
And I'm not going to say the revelation to Israel was expressed in some kind of a religion that developed in Semitic culture, and therefore it has all these human limitations. Now, beloved, they have to take this position in this new confession. You know why? Because they've thrown away the Bible as a revelation. Got rid of it. It's not a revelation anymore. What is it? It's the experience of this nomadic, Semitic type of people as they struggle along and their views of God expanded and grow, grew and the evolutionary process developed and it's still developing and we've come to a pretty high level in 1967 so we've got a new confession. Now that's it. What I want to get across to you people tonight is that Abraham preached the same gospel I'm preaching tonight. And what I want to get across to you people tonight, that everybody in the Old Testament dispensation were saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as you and I are saved tonight by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the revelation of the Old Testament concerned Jesus Christ. It is they, he said, the scriptures, the scriptures, ye do err. You don't know the scriptures. You don't know the power of God. It is they which testify of me. And everything in that Old Testament is Jesus Christ. And everything in the New Testament is Jesus Christ. And I want to say tonight that God gave us Christ. He's a gift from heaven. God gave to us the plan of redemption. It is a gift from heaven. God gave to us eternal life. It's a gift from heaven. God gave to us all the prophecies of the future. It's a gift from heaven. And these great prophecies, may I tell you, beloved, that the 22nd Psalm didn't come out of Semitic culture. Oh, no, the 22nd Psalm came from the throne of God, told all about how Christ was going to be crucified. Here you have it. Trying to separate the Bible, the revelation, which they've rejected from now this religion that's developed. And which you can read about in the Old Testament if you just want to read it. It's a nice account of some religious experience. Struggles of a people. You can study it if you want to. Get some good out of it. But we're growing and growing and growing and growing. And in 1967, we've grown so much ahead of all of them that we have to have a confession for our day. Now that's it. All right, read the next question. God's revelation in Jesus Christ called forth the response of Jews and Greeks and came to expression within Judaism and Hellenism as the Christian religion. Isn't that nice the way we got it? Isn't that nice? There was something about Jesus Christ, his revelation in Jesus Christ... Called forth the response of the Jews and the Greeks and came to expression within Judaism and Hellenism as the Christian religion. I beg your pardon, beloved. I just beg these gentlemen's pardon. 
Everybody in the New Testament came out of Judaism and its apostasy and accepted Christ. And all the Christians of Greece and Rome came out of their Hellenism and their Romanism or whatever it was. And they came out and started Christian churches because they had divine authority to do it. And because they were called of God and they had possession of the truth. And you don't have any uh, God's revelation in Christ bringing some kind of a response in Judaism and Hellenism and that produced the Christian religion. Beloved, the Christian religion is a divine revelation. It is a gift of God to you and me. It hasn't been produced by any kind of synthesis. It hasn't been produced by any kind of gropings or yearnings or visions of men. It has been given to us as a divine revelation out of heaven. And when the Apostle Paul, a great, brilliant Jew of his day, was persecuting the Christians and going from city to city, there appeared to him on the road of Damascus the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul saw him, he said, Who art thou? And then cried, Lord. And Paul was born into the kingdom of God because he had seen Jesus Christ. And then he went out to tell us, I received my faith. Where did I receive this gospel? Where did it come from? Was it from man? No. Where did I get my gospel? By revelation of Jesus Christ. And don't you ever let anybody tell you that Christianity is the growth of some kind of a synthesis between the Greeks and between the Jews, between the people of a Hellenistic period and the people of some Semitic culture, and the thing came together and somehow or other we got a Christian religion out of it. Don't let anybody feed you that. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And when I go out to preach the gospel, Beg your pardon, I forgot my harness tonight. Were you hearing me all right? All right, you'll hear me better now. Now, is that better? Is that better? I apologize, I got started without my harness on. I just stopped and put this amplifier on, which I carry around my neck, and then I can move around a little bit. Now, where was I? <clears throat> Oh, beloved, I was telling you here that this new confession comes along and tells us that the Christian religion is something which it isn't. It's something which it isn't. And now I'm getting ready to show you, come next now, that the Christian religion takes its place alongside of some of these other religions. Begins to take its place alongside of them. Let me show you how this thing works its way out. Verse, uh, or it's the uh, line 364. The Christian finds parallels between other religions and his own and must approach all religions with openness and respect.
The Christian finds parallels between other religions and his own. So you are supposed to come out of experience and the struggles with a Semitic background and culture. Here's one uh, India out of a Hindu background and culture. Here's the Muhammad and here's the uh, uh, Chinese culture and background with Confucian. And when we look around, we find there are other religions and they're centered around individual personalities and they have some ideals and ethics. And when he looks at them, he finds uh, parallels between other religions and his own. No, beloved, there is no parallel in any other religion anywhere that I know of that comes anywhere near what you and I possess. None other religion has come down as a revelation and a deposit. No other religion has anything like that. Furthermore, beloved, there's no other religion on the face of this earth that has a Savior who opened the tomb and rose from the dead. Nobody else has anything like that. All other religions, Muhammad's dead, Confucius dead, Buddha's dead, they're all dead. The only one of all these various systems which go by the title of a religion that has a living Redeemer and a reigning King and Lord is the Christian faith. And the chasm between an open tomb and a sealed grave is the chasm between heaven and between hell. It's the chasm between light and between darkness. It's the chasm between knowing the true and the living God and dying in sin without Christ, without hope, and without God in the world. The Presbyterians are now going to be told that they can find parallels between other religions and his own, and must approach all religions with openness and respect. Openness, openness, openness. They've got something to give you. They've got something you need to listen to. Beloved Jesus Christ said, you go into all the world and you preach the gospel to every creature. And Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the great missionary movement of the Christian church has gone into all these dark and heathen lands and gone to these people in their pagan religions and preached Christ and the Spirit of God has used the word to break the hearts of stone and tear down the great systems of superstition. And men have turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. And the glory of Paul in his great missionary journeys, the glory of the gospel as men have gone, is they've gone out and said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And beloved, when I was in India over there in January, I met this Mohammedan who'd just come to the Lord and he made a clean break with all the past of Mohammedanism and his Allah and he came over to give all glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ as his Savior. And that's the way it's to be. And when I was out there in India, I saw them baptize this Hindu and I was there and they had the baptism service because they said, Dr. McIntyre, they wanted me to be present in that baptismal service 
this. I'm sure my presence didn't in any way contribute to the sanctity of the baptism, but they wanted me to be there. And I saw this man give up the superstition of his sacred monkeys. And I saw the man give up the superstition of gods in every leaf on every tree. And I saw this man turn aside from all that. And he said, I have found in Jesus Christ the true God and the living Savior. And forsaking all my superstition, I give myself wholly to Jesus Christ. And beloved, that's what Christianity has done. And Dr. Garrow stood in this pulpit this morning and you heard him make a magnificent statement and I praise God how that Christianity came into Brazil by Presbyterian missionaries from North America and they preached regeneration and justification and salvation and his father believed and this gospel came into their home and it completely changed and revolutionized their home and it made a decent family out of his home and his family and their leaders to day because of Jesus Christ. And Dr. Garrow stood in this pulpit and said, you people are giving money, giving money, giving money to relieve poverty. And he said, it's foolish and you're wasting your money. And I believe it 1,000%. You don't improve people by just pouring money out. What America has to give to the nations of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What the church has to give to the nations of the world is a message that goes into their pagan religions and it pulls down idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. Piece of wood. Piece of stone. And it's the power of the gospel. It's the power of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the living God which is in Christianity. And Satan with his power is in all the superstitions that have come about which men call religions on the face of this earth. And we've reached a day right now where if you go out and preach the gospel like this, you're a disturber of the peace. And we've reached a day where we must now have our uh, peace corps and they can't talk about religion. We must give all this aid to the nations. We mustn't introduce anything that has to do with our way of life. Beloved, I stand in this pulpit tonight as a man who believes this Bible with all my heart. I think we're just wasting multiplied millions and millions of dollars. And I resent it with everything that's in me when our politicians take away the money from you and me and turn out here and give it to the poor. And then they turn around and get credit for it and keep themselves in office with our money. That's what's going on today. I'm in favor of helping the poor, but the greatest thing that you can do to help the poor is to give them the gospel and then teach them how by the help and the grace of God they can begin to have some self-respect and decency and we'll develop family after family after family like Dr. Gay Rose and we'll be able to help the nations of the world. The American dollar can't save the world. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can help the nations about us. But look at this new confession. Christian finds parallels between other religions and his own and must approach all religions with openness and respect. Oh, beloved, did Jesus Christ talk like this? He said, all that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. Here they are. But the sheep did not hear them. These men came. They were thieves. They were misleading you. They were taking you away from me. And the sheep did not hear them. But I am come that ye might have life 
And beloved, you people who are members of this Protestant church, this Christian church tonight, I tell every last one of you that you have a duty to say, God in heaven, help me. May I be a witness. May I give money to missions. May we send our young people out. Let's go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and tell men that there is nothing in the pagan religions that can bring anybody to God. The only way you can come to God is by the blood-sprinkled path of the cross. That's the only way. Now look at this next sentence. Repeatedly God has used the insights of non-Christians to talent challenge the church to renewal. Isn't that nice? Of course they're talking about Mahatma Gandhi. They're talking about the Hindu Gandhi and that he had some insights of, of uh, civil disobedience and a few other things in India. And that's challenged the American church to its renewal, which is the revolution that the churches are leading. And that's what they mean by it. Beloved, I want to say to you, there's not one single thing in any pagan religion anywhere that made a contribution to the revelation which we have in Jesus Christ. There is none. Oh, our Savior towers supremely above everything. In Him there's no corruption. He is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of this world. Buddha can't take sin away. Muhammad can't take sin away. Allah can't take sin away. Confucius can't take sin away. Shinto can't take sin away. No one can cleanse us of our sin. Except Jesus. Jesus. Blessed Jesus. This is the Presbyterian church, beloved. Breaking, breaking down the great, unique, distinctive, glorious position of the Christian religion. It's not one among many. It's the only one. And you, in God's providence, believe it. You and God's mercy live in a land where this message has been preached. And you've come to believe it. But the reconciling word, and that's a little w, of the gospel is God's judgment on all forms of religions, including the Christian. Where do we get this word? This is what they've made up. See, this is their word that they got here, they got here, they got here. They got all these different things that made up the word. And that's their judgment on the Christian religion. And do you know what they're doing right now? They're taking their humanistic, naturalistic concept, which they say the word of God, and they're attacking the fundamentalist. And that's the judgment of God, they say. Oh, this chapter here brings these pagan religions up to a place where they have a contribution to make. This brings these pagan religions up to the place where they have something that we should listen to. God has used them in various times, as we're told here, to challenge the church to renewal. And these pagan religions have had a renewal effect upon our people and upon our church. So let's not be too hard on them. Let's listen to them. And let's come together with respect and give them the place which they're entitled to because of the contribution which they have made. 
and because of the good that we found in them. And beloved, this is the syncretism of the last day. That's it. Now I'm going to take you one step further and I want to take you to this place because when I look at this chapter sometimes I think the one on religion is the worst chapter in the whole confession. I think it's the worst one of all of them. This is the heart, the genius of ecumenism. We're going to dialogue, we're going to dialogue, we're going to dialogue. We're going to take the good here and the good here and we'll learn from him, we'll learn from him. Finally, we'll get this thing all put together and they're going to have one great world church and it looks like before they get through, they're going to have one great world religion. The door's open for it. Right here before us, it's right open for us and it's in here. Down here in Washington, D.C., they're building this temple for understanding. I spoke of it two years ago when they first announced it. But it was an immense temple down there. All the religions, I think they've got six of them. Mohammed and Buddha, Christian and Judas. Each one has a wing. Each one has a contribution to make. Marvelous spirit of understanding in Washington, D.C., among all the religions. When they celebrated the 10th anniversary of the United Nations out here at San Francisco, you know what they did. They had this great united prayer service for the peace of the world. And here they brought in uh, the spokesman from Hindu. Here they brought in the Mohammedan. Here they brought in the Jew. Here they brought in the Christian. Here they brought in all each other. And one after another stood there in this great united prayer service. And they prayed to whatever this thing was they were praying to. I don't know what it was. But they prayed to whatever this thing was they were praying to. That he was going to bless the United Nations and give us peace. When they had this 20th anniversary, they went through the same ordeal out there. And, of course, they had the Council of Churches. The United Council of Churches there in San Francisco area was in charge of it. And, of course, the earlier one, they had uh, uh, Foster Dulles out there to speak. And this one, they had a message from the Pope. And they were having a marvelous time. And if you remember, it was our little American Council of Christian Churches. And I went out there in one of the contrary auditoriums. And we had a great rally that night. And we spoke about Elijah and the prophets of syncretism blending all religions are on an equal basis everyone has something to contribute and you people who are fundamentalists you're just a big group of intolerant people that have no respect for anybody else Beloved, we love humanity so much that we will go out and evangelize and die and suffer and preach to bring them the knowledge of the true and the living God so they can have everlasting life. We love lost sinners and we want to bring them the one message and the only message that will help them. And when you let a Hindu think that you believe that his religion is just a pathway to God, he says, thank you very much, and he dies and goes to hell. When you let one of these Mohammedans think that you believe that his religion is just as good as yours and a pathway to God, he says, thank you very much, and he dies and goes to hell. 
And it is the task of the Christian church and the Christian missionary to lift up its voice and say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. And beloved, it's this emphasis upon the only Christ, the only Savior, the only way that brings us our sufferings and our reproaches. It's this emphasis upon the blood of that cross which alone atones for sin, which becomes the scandal and the offense to the intelligentsia of the 20th century just as it did to the Greek world of Paul's day. And beloved, it's the blood that cleanses from sin. It's the cross of reconciliation. It's a living Christ who opened the tomb. It's this one who sits at the right hand of power tonight. It's this glorious Redeemer who will come with the clouds and he'll park them in the skies and he'll speak that word of resurrection and the dead shall be raised. Buddha will never raise anybody out of the tomb. Mohammed will never raise anybody out of the tomb. Confucius will never raise anybody out of the tomb. Only Jesus can open the graves. Only Jesus has the power to raise a Lazarus from the dead. Only Jesus has the glory which he's going to share with us when he gathers, him to his, gathers us to himself in the day of the rapture and in the day of resurrection. But what does this new confession do? It says there's good in that one and there's good in that one and They've already given us insights that have stimulated us to renewal. Well, I want to assure you, ladies and gentlemen, I've never gotten any renewal out of anything that Buddha ever wrote or Muhammad ever wrote. The only place I've ever gotten any spirit of life and renewal is in the precious word of Jesus. He says, the word that I speak unto you are spirit. They are life. Life is in Christ. And only in Christ. Oh, what's happening to the Presbyterian church? It just breaks your heart. Breaks your heart. To think that we should be living at this time. Why should we be living now? Why should we be in this period of transition? Why should we be called upon to cry out like this? Why should we be the ones who have to do it? As we look to the Son of God. In the great larger catechism of the Westminster Assembly, which now they're laying aside, they won't even have it anymore. There's this great section on what are the things required in the first commandment. And what are the sins forbid, forbidden in the first commandment. They are atheism. Denying or not having a God idolatry and having or worshiping more gods than one or any with or instead of the true God. Any with the true God. And then we come down to all these tremendous accusations, declarations here concerning what it means to turn away from God. To turn to other places for light and for wisdom and for strength, slighting and despising God and his commandments, resisting and grieving his spirit, 
discontent and impatience at his dispensations, charging him foolishly, and the ascribing of praise of any good we either are, have, or can be to fortune, idols, ourselves, or any other creature. Yes, they got some good in these other religions. <laughs> they got some benefit to get out of these other religions. It's a violation of the first commandment. Beloved, when Jeremiah was crying out against Israel, one of the great cries that he has was the children of Israel would go up and worship uh, Jehovah, yes. But they'd also go over here to the groves of Balaam. Then they'd go over to the groves of Ashtaroth. And they'd go over to the groves. And the children of Israel became very broad-minded. They had a marvelous spirit of ecumenism. They got good out of Jerusalem's temple. They got good out of the temple of Baal. They got good out of the high places and the groves. And Jeremiah turned and told the children of Israel, as long as you go over there and give one little fraction of devotion to Baal, you are denying your God. Your God calls upon you to give him everything that you have. When Paul started the church in Corinth, Look at Corinthians. That's where we get our great concept of the militancy and the purity and the integrity and the glory of the church as she puts on her beautiful garments. But the Christians in Corinth said, well, we were in the synagogue. We'd like to keep our membership in the synagogue and also join your little independent church over here, Paul. And Paul says, you can't do it. And then some of them said, well, Paul, I know, but we got a great temple over here on the uh, temple of Apollos, beautiful Marble columns, the genius of our Greek mind is in it. We'd like to keep our membership in the temple of Apollos over here. There's some good we can get out of it, our wings of victory and a few other things. But then can't we also be a member of your independent church at the same time? Paul says you can't do it. You can't do it. If you're going to be a member of the church of Christ and worship the true and the living God, you must touch not the unclean thing. Touch it not. Don't be a part of it. Don't be yoked up with it. Don't be connected with it. Leave the synagogue. Leave the pagan temples. Come and be in the little fellowship where our Savior said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. And that's the great glory of the church. When it's in his name, only his name, the glory of his name, he's in the midst. And we have the fellowship and the communion that belongs only to the people of God and only to the redeemed. We have reached a day of revolution. We have reached a moment of tremendous transition. When a great church had stood for the Westminster Assembly summary of the great teachings concerning God. The great teachings concerning the gospel. There is none else. There's no other message to proclaim. And when we send our missionaries to Africa, they don't go out there with a message in one hand and searching with the other hand to get what they can out of some of the pagan rites there and say, well, there's some good there. I'll tie it in with what I have, some good. We don't send our missionaries to India to get the good that they can out of Hinduism. They go out there to preach the message which says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's the word that has power. That's the word that has blessing. That's the word that has comfort. And young people tonight, young people, you know what we want out of this church? Do you know what the prayer of this pastor is day after day? 
that he'll lay it upon the hearts of some of you young people and say, yes, Jesus, it's only you. You're the only Savior. You're the only way. You're the only hope of the world. You're the only hope there is. Take me and now make me a missionary. Take me and let me preach the gospel. Take me and let me have this message. And I'll spend my days winning men to Christ. I'll spend my days opposing the awful apostasy of our latter day. Oh, you young people, Jesus Christ needs you to be an obedient and faithful missionary and servant to him. Tomorrow I'm going up to Boston, and we're going to see this consultation on church union. And I read this week the preliminary announcements. You know what they're going to do up there? You know what they're going to do? The basis for the ten denomination union, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, all of them, is going to be the same approach that the Confession in 1967 has. Same identical book. They've got it through the Presbyterians now pretty well. They think that this is tried, and they're going to give the same type of approach to laying the structure of the new great 25 million member church. And beloved, when they get that church with its earthly power and with its thrust in Washington, you just watch out, the steamroller's going to crush you. And they're there to use the church for revolutionary purposes. And if you think we've had anything up to the present time, we haven't even had a tea party yet. We haven't even had a tea party in this country yet. You wait and see where this thing's going to go. And you're in it. And you must face it. And though there may be few of us, please understand that we're going to stay by the Christ of the Bible and we have a revelation from God. My religion isn't this church. If this church was my religion, I'd quit. Wouldn't be much religion, I'll tell you that. This church isn't my religion. Not at all. This church is the place where you and I come and manifest our faith in the revelation, our faith in God, our faith in the truth. And that's what keeps you and saves you. And that's what blesses your soul. The end of the ages has come upon us, folks. Syncretism, blending. They're going to close the doors. They're not even going to let you get into these countries to preach this gospel because you'll be disturbing the peace of the country. They're going to lock out missionaries that have this idea that only Jesus can save anybody's soul. You'll have to have missionaries who sit down with everybody else around the marvelous conference table of unity and cooperation, love. Everybody has something to contribute. Beloved, so far as this matter of religion is concerned, there's been only one person who ever lived on this face of the earth who had anything to contribute that I'm interested in. That person is Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Do you believe? Is he your Savior? Are you trusting only Jesus? You dear saints here tonight have no idea what God did for you and me when he separated us back there. Brought us out here where we could have this kind of preaching. This afternoon, Dr. Gayros and I passed our old church. You know what the preacher was preaching on there this morning? The ministry of reconciliation. That was his subject. New confession. 
Then he had no night. He's not preaching tonight. They're closed up over there at night. They're letting all their people be reconciled to television tonight. They're all their people are reconciled to the world tonight. They're getting good reconciliations out there. No, no, they're all closed up tonight. Beloved, we're going to keep the doors of this church open. And we're going to preach the gospel and get you people who are saved come in here to serve the Lord and worship Him. And when it comes time to go to church, daylight saving time, Christmas time, Easter time, winter time, summer time, you be in here to get the word, bring your children, bring your loved ones, and let's build a New Testament church that believes these great and glorious things and we'll serve the living God and the devil can do what he pleases, but he can't stop us from going to heaven. Can't do it. Now, I'm going to close... You know what I have on my mind? Dr. Gayros wants to translate this book and get it into Portuguese, and we're going to help him. Not translate, of course, but we're going to help him. But I'm concerned about after we've printed the book and it's got all this story in it. How many of you got your book with you tonight? Let's see your hand. Let's stand and sing the closing hymn.